The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. We know that you want to live an inspired and fulfilling life. Maybe there are a few things that you need to get you there. Welcome to What Matters with your host, Mary Beth Lodge. In today's world of distractions, we can get overwhelmed with day-to-day responsibilities that keep us busy, frustrated, and confused. With an emphasis on the power of the mind and drawing on the fields of personal health, education, neuroscience, business, and spirituality, we'll discuss practical strategies to help you stay focused on your priorities, choices, and results. Now, here is Mary Beth Lodge. Good morning. How are you today? Thank you for joining me today on What Matters. Today, I'm going to challenge you to make a difference. Can you do that? Can you find a way to make a positive difference in your world today? Can you make a change within yourself that will carry ripples of positive change into the lives of those around you and well beyond that? For this one hour, this is your time. Pay attention. You've created the world you live in. How can you change the things that you want to change? How does the information apply to you? That's right. Just you. Not your significant other, your best friend, your child, your parent, or your coworker. Just you. You can share information with other people, but ultimately, you are the only person you can really change. And you are the person that you're responsible for. It is your world that you've created, and you are the person that can truly make a difference within your world. I know, you're busy. I'm busy. We're all busy. We lead very, very busy lives. But sometimes, busy means we're distracted. It means that we're not following our goals. We're not fulfilling our purpose, our passion. Are you taking for granted the people in your life? and the actions that you take that are most important to you? Are you spending your energy on things that don't really matter? What are the choices you make in your world? As you make decisions throughout your day of how you spend your time, do you think it through? Do you think about the impact that decision will have? How do you touch the lives of the people you meet? You know, sometimes it's something so simple. A smile, a nod, just a word that makes all the difference. And you have no idea, but it's your presence that is so very important. So, I'm asking you, do you create sunshine wherever you are? We can make our own sunshine today as we do every day. Now, this morning in my part of the world, it is a sunshiny day. Yesterday and today have been bright and beautiful days. And we know, finally, that spring is here. I'm grateful this morning because I have a beautiful bouquet of roses. You know, I have a wonderful gentleman who visits every few weeks. 
And for all of what he calls his healthcare team, he brings flowers. And this week, it's roses and baby's breath. The bouquet is beautiful. They bloomed out this morning just in that wonderful way, and the scent is just delicious. And yesterday, I was given the blessing of a block of time in the middle of the day that I could take a very long walk on trail. It's the first time I've been out in a long time in the woods. And so it was a wonderful way of refreshing and restoring my soul. And I'm very grateful for that. And you know, already I feel so much better just having been outside and moving my body. And while I was walking, I was reflecting on the topic for today about inflammation. And I was thinking about how we are so designed for movement. And there's so many crucial components of our health that result from movement. You know, even something as simple as that movement helping digestion. Now, when you digest your food, you don't think about how walking would help you digest your food. And yet, so critical. It's not just the circulation, which of course is important. But it's also that that gentle massaging of our intestines and our internal organs helps our digestive process to be more effective and efficient. I want to talk today about inflammation, about that yucky feeling that we sometimes get or maybe that you have continuously. You know, we have a lot of different ways that inflammation manifests itself in the body. Sometimes it's that achy feeling that's just kind of an overall everything hurts. And sometimes it's just a feeling like you just can't get moving in the morning and yet you can't go to sleep at night. Or maybe you've got a diagnosis of a chronic inflammatory condition. And maybe you're frustrated because the traditional medical world doesn't seem to respond well to the symptoms that you describe. Or maybe you have symptoms that have no um, identifiable source from within the traditional medical world. I can't tell you the number of times I've had a client say, well, when I go to my doctor, he says my blood work is perfect. I don't feel good. And that's exactly true. But, you know, last week we talked with Dr. Sandia Moyles and Dr. Steve Moyles, and they told us that the traditional medical evaluation is just the first layer. It helps us rule out the big things, but it doesn't find the subtleties. But we shouldn't stop if there aren't answers in those diagnostic tests. We shouldn't quit or give up. We have to look further. We have to look at the next level down. We have to look at many layers of how our bodies are are interplaying with our environment, how our bodies are responding both to the foods we eat, the activities that we perform, and the environment in which we are in. And that includes the stress level and your ability to reverse that stress through quieting activities. You know, foods make a difference in your health. 
And what we choose to eat impacts what our bodies can use, which impacts how our bodies respond, both from within and to the environment. So when you choose a particular food, and it's something that throws your body off balance, that's going to impact how your body can use that particular food. And that's going to impact how your body then is able to be resilient to other toxins or resilient to the environment and to the stress that you experience. You see, if you work with your body type, when you nourish your body, your body will have its natural resistance. Your body will have its natural resilience. Your mind will be stronger. Your coping will be stronger. You know, we come from a, a foundation of genetics, and we have a very, very poor understanding of that in general. Now, there are... The science is, is coming more and more that shows us the, how the genetics impact us. But you and I, as just, you know, general public, general population, you're not doctors, or maybe you are, but we don't know how to understand our genetics. We don't have good information about how to do that. And I think there are ways for us to have clues about our genetics. You know, today most of the information that I give you comes from two different books. One is, of course, the book by Dr. Stephen Sandia Moyles, Get Well and Stay Well, because I was so fascinated with their chapters on um, inflammation and metabolism that I wanted to go further into that information. But also I take information from the book Eat Right for Your Body Type, which is written by Dr. Peter J. D Damo. And I wanted to include that because both books talk about genetic types. In the book Eat Right for Your Body Type, the genetic type is based on blood type. Now, you may or may not know your blood type. It's interesting, though, to kind of look at historically how blood types were developed and what that means in terms of appropriate foods. Because we know that not everyone responds to the same food plan, right? I mean, you can respond to one food plan and get great results, and someone else responds to that by gaining weight. Or maybe you've been frustrated because you choose a food plan, you decide, okay, I'm going to change my lifestyle, I'm going to follow whatever the XYZ most popular diet program is right now, and it worked for my best friend, it worked for my spouse, it's got to work for me. And it doesn't. And you gain weight. Well, there's a reason for that. And we can get hints from blood type. The type O blood type is the oldest of all of the blood types. And so if you are a type O blood type, your genetics go back to the hunters and gatherers, the, the groups of people that simply ate whatever they could gather, berries, nuts, greens, 
but they weren't farmers. They didn't eat grains, you see. They ate whatever grew and was readily available to gather up. They hunted. They hunted for meats. Large game, really, was what they started with. And actually the reason that any of the other blood types occurred was because they hunted the large game so much that there was too much competition for the game and people had to adapt. So if you are a type O blood type, first of all by personality, you might be a little more aggressive. And your body will do best on meats, proteins, and vegetables, and, you know, not even the cultivated vegetables, but the greens, the berries, the nuts, those will be the things that your body does best at. But the grains won't do well for you, and dairy will be almost impossible for you. You simply won't have the ability to digest dairy. You never developed it. Now, you have a lot of stomach acid, and I'll go into that later on, but you have a lot of stomach acid, so you can easily digest the proteins. Your body likes to have lots of protein. Now, if you are a blood type A, by personality, the blood type A means agrarian. That means those were the individuals who began to farm they settled down in one place. They grew crops. Yes, they began to cultivate all of the grains that we now see and to use those within their diet. By personality, of course, they have to be more cooperative because it required groups of people working together in order for farming to be successful. The blood type A actually doesn't do well with meat and is more likely to thrive with a primarily vegetarian diet. Now, isn't that interesting? Because the blood type A actually has more fibrinogen, the thing in the blood that allows for clotting, that thickens the blood. And the blood type A does not need more meat protein that adds to that. That's one of the foundations of contributing to heart disease for individuals who have blood type A. And if you are blood type B, your genetic history are the herders, the migratory herders who used meat and dairy in their blood, in their uh, diets and their foods. And so the blood type B by personality, is the one who assimilates into different challenging environments. It's fascinating to read the details of that. I won't go into any further, but those are the primary blood types. Interestingly, type A and B, the type AB, which is more rare, it's only about 5% of the population that is a type AB, actually integrated the best of both of the immune systems into their nature. But that same type has a failure to protect from things like cancer because the immune system of someone with AB blood 
recognizes everything as like itself and so doesn't develop the antibodies for things that are alien or foreign. Now, that's one way to determine whether what your genetics are and perhaps what diet or food plan would work best for you. There's also clues from, if you don't know your your blood type specifically, there are clues in the way that you put on fat. Where does your body gather fat? How is it distributed throughout your body? And the way that the body holds its fat gives us clues as to the imbalance and therefore what we should adjust. So in other words, the people that have that classic apple shape, you know, that round belly, I always call that the Santa Claus shape. You know, it's the the, uh, compact body, but it's also this big round belly. That is an indication of a liver imbalance. The liver is being stressed. It's being asked to do more than what it can keep up with. And so the fat is distributed into the belly. The bad news is that if there's belly fat, fat visible, there's belly fat all around the internal organs. People that have a pendulous abdomen, do you know what that means? That's that belly that hangs down almost below. um, It's the lower part of the abdomen, and when it gets very, very large, it actually kind of swings back and forth. But it's a low uh, fat um, just in the belly, not in the hips. Um, And those individuals actually have, they they look um, kind of unusual because their legs and arms tend to be very skinny. But this belly hangs down. That's a sign of an adrenal imbalance. Individuals who put on weight just in their hips become pear-shaped. That can be an estrogen or a hormonal imbalance. We see that primarily in women. And then that straight up and down, the weight is evenly distributed straight up and down. That's a thyroid influence. So those are kind of the clues that we have about our background and our genetics that tell us that kind of the direction to go when we choose what to do next in terms of of our food plan or our food selection. Now, we're about to take a short break, and when we come back, I want to talk specifically about the foods that contribute to inflammation in the body, the foods that we have incorporated um, only recently, but that have become almost our mainstays and contribute to incredible challenges for our physical bodies. You're listening to the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are you ready to make a change in your life? Would you like to discover the hidden obstacles to your success? Mary Beth Lodge is a certified life coach with a proven track record of guiding others to success. Drawing on mind-body techniques and concepts of neuroscience, Mary Beth will design a program specific to your goals, lifestyle, and personality. 
You'll develop a specific action plan to follow. You'll learn practical and easy strategies to move through your obstacles and reach your goals. You decide the area to focus on. Is it your weight, your health, or your professional goals? Mary Beth Lodge is a life coach, hypnotist, and health consultant. She specializes in working with people who are confused, frustrated, or discouraged by the direction of their life. She works with people who really want to make a difference in this world and are willing to take the actions to achieve their goals. She'll help you get clear on where you want to be and to follow through on the actions that lead to a healthier and more successful life. Visit LastingLifestyleChange.com to request more information or a free consultation. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to What Matters with Mary Beth Lodge. To be a part of our discussion on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to marybethlodge at gmail.com. Now, back to What Matters. Good morning, and thank you for joining me this morning on What Matters. Our topic today is inflammation, and kind of uh, we're looking at, first, the genetic foundation, of what we may be doing to ourselves and without knowing it. Um, and then we're, we're going to go into kind of the foods that we eat that we've incorporated into our diet without even knowing what we're doing. You know, we are designed for kind of a natural foundation in our foods. We're not designed for processed foods. And, you know, it's only been in the recent, the last 150 years or so, with the onset of the Industrial Revolution, we increasingly refined and processed um, our foods. We increased the grain-based products. Um, we added preservatives so our foods would last longer. We had sent in some additives so that um, our foods might taste better or the texture might be maintained. We took the the natural fibers out of the grains and then we realized that, oh gosh, we need some of those nutrients, so we put nutrients back in, but they're synthetic nutrients, not natural nutrients. All of that alters the digestive response of our body, and we confuse the body's natural ability to process those nutrients. In addition to that, there have been three major additions to our food that were just not there 150 years ago. We keep adding more sugar, more fat, and more salt into the foods that are processed. The reason for that is because each of those triggers an addictive response in the brain. So the more that we are exposed to that, the more that our brain wants that. Now that's good news for the food manufacturers because it means we eat more, we buy more, and we have difficulty stopping our eating. But that's bad news for our bodies because it means we gain a lot of weight. We get very, very sick and we impact our natural ability to resist infection and disease and we increase our natural inflammatory response. Let me explain that further. Sugar is an instinctive reaction. Babies are born with an affinity for sugar. Um, and the brain will supersede 
are natural avoidance cues in order to obtain more sugar. Now, this is very interesting. You know, there there were two studies that are cited in the Amoyles book, which I just thought were so cute. One was that they um, they did experiments on babies where they did a tiny little pinprick. They were che- testing blood sugar, actually. And the babies who were given a drop of sugar water stopped crying sooner than the babies who were not. So, you know, the, the brain will supersede um, things that are uncomfortable. They also did a study with mice where um, the mice were taught to uh, seek a sugary, uh, sweet liquid. And then, they, in order to do that, they had to stand on a plate that periodically jolted them with an electrical shock. They stood on that and continued to drink the sugar water in spite of the discomfort of the electric shock. They will supersede those natural avoidance cues. See, we are hardwired to avoid discomfort and pain, and yet for sugar, the addiction to sugar, we will override those natural avoidance cues. And that may give you a clue as to why you make up your mind that you're not going to eat those sugary things, and yet your hand still reaches for it, and your body wants it, and your mouth is saying, oh, yes, I have to have it. Okay, It's more than just willpower. You've got some instinctive cues in there to seek out sugar. And the more that the foods that you eat contain additional sweeteners and sugars, the more that you will find it difficult for you to withdraw from that. Salt is another one of those. We're we're highly addictive in our response to salt. And salt does something very different. See, sugar adds calories and sugar is soothing and sugar triggers all of those feel-good kinds of things in the brain. Salt, on the other hand, is a stimulant. Salt artificially stimulates our adrenal glands. It gives us a a wakening up feeling, a lifting feeling, a wow, I'm wired kind of feeling. And we will eat salt to get that response. Unfortunately, for many people, salt is a very, very bad thing because by genetics, many people's response to salt will trigger hypertension, high blood pressure. You know, certain, again, I go back to certain blood types that, that type O, um, blood type really shouldn't be exposed to much salt. It's, um, very difficult for them to process that and to, um, accommodate that stimulant to the adrenal glands. Remember, the type O is naturally aggressive. They already have lots of adrenaline that they use every day. They don't need a stimulant for that, and that can trigger all kinds of other difficulties in the body. We are genetically programmed to eat when food is available. See, again, if we go back historically, you know, millennia from from where we are today, we still have those primitive genetic programs in our bodies. So we were programmed to eat when food was available and to eat as much as was available in order to compensate for when there wasn't food available. Well, we haven't really um, overridden that. Our bodies still respond to taking in a lot of food, but then we don't have periods of fasting. And we don't have the kind of activity that our ancestors did 
You know, we aren't continuously moving. We're sitting still at our computers and our desks. We're sitting still in our cars. We don't have the activity and we are so designed for activity. And so when, when we are sitting and we don't get the activity that we need, that's, um, counter to our natural resilience, our natural stimulation of our immune systems and our healthy bodies overall. If you think about how farming has evolved, there's an issue there as well. Our current farming practices almost ensure that our foods don't have sufficient nutrients. Our current farming practices are that we plant one thing we keep planting it in the same place. <laughs> and we, um, because we keep planting the same thing in the same place, the same nutrients are withdrawn from the soil. So in order for the crops to grow, we have to add something in. And in, unless you're um, lucky enough to find an organic farm, the things that are added in are artificial. They're fertilizers that are synthetic. And then, of course, those plants being planted year after year after year become more um, accessible to the, the pests that would destroy them. And so then we add in chemical pesticides in order to deal with that. The synthetic forms of the nutrients that are added back into the grains after we remove the hull and um and the, the beneficial nutrients of the grain, those synthetic forms of nutrients confuse our bodies. And so, again, we, we have this kind of merry-go-round of lack of nutrients. We withdraw the nutrients from the soil. We put extra synthetic things in. That confuses the plant. The plant then doesn't have sufficient nutrients. We remove the natural parts, the hull and the, and the bran that has the nutrient, and then, of course, we go and put it back in. That doesn't make a lot of sense, especially to our bodies. The sugar, the salt, and the fat are added to our foods to create flavor and to give us a sense of satiety. It's that sense of being satisfied with the food. Well, fat works. When we add fat into um a, a food product, it helps us feel satisfied because it has, you know, it takes longer for us to digest fat um, and we get the flavor and the texture from the fat. And unfortunately, that too is one of those three um, addictive additives that are given into the food. All of our fast foods are high in fat. All of our fast foods are high in salt. And the the fast foods that aren't salted are sweetened, are sugared. Sometimes our, um, the combination of sweet and, sh- and salt makes us just want even more. That again, it hooks us into this addictive nature of responding to that food and eating more and more and more of it. In the meantime, the food has such poor nutritional quality that our bodies are hungry. Our bodies will continue to signal us to eat if we aren't getting adequate nutrition. Now, what does all of this have to do with inflammation? Well, the point is that sugar, salt, and fat not only are addictive, but they cause our bodies to become inflamed. Okay, 
when we get fat, fat is not an innate substance. Fat is a living organ. Think of fat as if it's like your liver or your heart. Fat has a life within you. And it produces certain hormones and certain other chemicals. And those chemicals trigger an inflammatory response. This is just a little side note, but you know, the, the fat in your belly, the fat that is in the lower part of your belly, it's called the greater omentum. You don't need to know that word, but understand that that part, that fat in your lower belly was designed to keep your internal organs warm. And in women, it was designed to keep the uterus warm during pregnancy. That fat specifically is a living organ. It produces hormones like estrogen and progesterone in small quantities. And it has its own nutrient supply. Several years ago, there was a physician who was doing some experimental work in restoring spinal cords, severed spinal cords. He actually took a portion of the omentum, kept it intact, but wrapped it around the spinal cord and demonstrated that even a fully severed spinal cord repaired itself because of the nutrition within that omentum, that fat. So when your body has excess fat, you are producing chemicals that trigger inflammation. Do you see? So back it up. Excess sugar, excess salt, excess fat is additional calories. We become fatter and fatter, and that fat triggers chemicals into the body that produce inflammation that call for the body to send more fluid to fight off invaders. We are genetically wired to respond to invaders with inflammation. And that's a good thing if it's an acute issue. If it's an acute injury, we want that inflammatory response there. We want that body to stabilize the injury. When we have an infection... When we uh, get, you know, an acute infection, an upper respiratory infection, something like that, we want the body to respond with inflammation because that fights off that infection. Now, our bodies release a chemical. It's called a cytokine. And that chemical was meant to stimulate the immune response, to bring in inflammation into an area, And there are two types of cytokines, one that turns on the inflammatory response and one that turns off the the inflammatory response. Unfortunately, if we are in a state where we're constantly um, barraging our body with things that the body cannot use, we keep the signal turned on for inflammation. And so, you know... Here's kind of what happens is we get an injury. I, I treated a client several years ago and, you know, he came in with a shoulder injury and, you know, it was a cranky shoulder and, you know, as I kind of explored it and, and you know, this could be several of my clients. I've had lots of shoulder injuries. But, you know, usually I see them and it's six months, eight months, nine months later from when the injury was and they're complaining about, they still have pain, the arm is limited in its movement, um, they can't seem to get any relief, and the simple anti-inflammatory isn't working. Well, no kidding. And when I begin the body work on that shoulder, 
I don't start with the shoulder. I start with the hand. There was a time when, you know, I was trying to explain that and I just said, well, you know, the hand is a, is connected to the arm and the arm's connected to the shoulder. And I think the person that I was telling that to was rather offended that I was being so simplistic. But the truth is that the inflammation from the original injury will begin to spread outward along the entire limb and sometimes also into the chest um, because the body is still producing that inflammatory response and it hasn't been turned off. In the body, all of the things that end with itis are inflammation, okay? Bursitis, gastritis, colitis, all of those, they're inflammation. Asthma, eczema, heart disease, cancer, even some forms of dementia are all inflammatory responses. It's an inflammatory response that doesn't get turned off. And of course, the other side of that, autoimmune disorders are an immune system that is overactive. It stops seeing the invader and begins to react to itself as its own invader. So think of the cytokines as they're, they're kind of the, I don't know, the cheerleader. They're the recruitment. They're the recruitment officers. They go around and they recruit extra help. So as the cytokines flow through your body, they're recruiting extra help to fight off the invader. So they're sending out the alarm. They're, you know, calling up the troops and they're directing those, those immune responses into the area where the problem is. But if the cytokines that are responsible for turning off the switch aren't activated, the immune system will begin to attack itself. And that's where we get that term, fire within. Because now you have this inflammatory response that is just creating fire. When those foods are out of balance, when we eat too much sugar, fat, um, and salt we eventually will trigger type 2 diabetes and what's now being referred to as type 3 diabetes, which is actually um, what we've been previously calling Alzheimer's or dementia. We also trigger heart disease. If the diet doesn't match our genetic predisposition, then we begin to trigger that continuous inflammatory response. Now, there are many other reasons for that, not only that we're eating the wrong foods, but that's a place to start. Those type O body types do well on a high-protein, low-carbohydrate diet because they don't digest the grains well. They love the vegetables. Their bodies thrive on vegetables. And their bodies will thrive on meat. And they have plenty of stomach acid available for processing. And you have to understand, the the conventional wisdom, what you see on TV with all of the commercials from the drug companies about having too much stomach acid and if you have heartburn, you should suppress that, is not true for the type O blood type. Do you see... The type O blood type needs that wonderful acid and that you need more acid to, in order to um, process the foods. You need acid to break the food down quickly into small particles. So the type Bs do well on that modified Mediterranean diet. They do well with um, kind of the, the a little bit of meat, a little bit of dairy, the oils, the the greens, the good vegetables. They do well on that. And the type A, 
they really should be primarily vegetarian. They can eat small amounts of protein from meat and fish, but really primarily their bodies are designed for lots and lots of grains and vegetables. Now, we've talked a little bit about um, the body types. When we come back, I'm going to talk specifically about the foods that are most appropriate and why we would select a certain process of foods. You're listening to the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you ready to make a change in your life? Would you like to discover the hidden obstacles to your success? Mary Beth Lodge is a certified life coach with a proven track record of guiding others to success. Drawing on mind-body techniques and concepts of neuroscience, Mary Beth will design a program specific to your goals, lifestyle, and personality. You'll develop a specific action plan to follow. You'll learn practical and easy strategies to move through your obstacles and reach your goals. You decide the area to focus on. Is it your weight, your health, or your professional goals? Mary Beth Lodge is a life coach, hypnotist, and health consultant. She specializes in working with people who are confused, frustrated, or discouraged by the direction of their life. She works with people who really want to make a difference in this world and are willing to take the actions to achieve their goals. She'll help you get clear on where you want to be and to follow through on the actions that lead to a healthier and more successful life. Visit LastingLifestyleChange.com to request more information or a free consultation. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to What Matters with Mary Beth Lodge. To be a part of our discussion on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to marybethlodge at gmail.com. Now, back to What Matters. Good morning. Thank you for joining me this morning on What Matters. Our topic today has been inflammation. We've been talking about the different body types based on blood type and also weight gain patterns. We've been talking about the kinds of things that we've done that create more inflammation in the body. But I want to move now into um, some more of, of what you can do differently, how you can kind of work within your body. There is, again, that kind of false belief that um, we should reduce the amount of acid in our stomachs, especially if we experience heartburn or um, indigestion or anything like that. Yeah, there are times when you should help your body because you do have heartburn, but you shouldn't reduce the acid in your bo- in your stomach. You need acid. You see, hydrochloric acid is necessary in the stomach to break the food down. If the food isn't broken into small particles before it gets to the digestive enzymes um, released from your pancreas, then those particles um, will be too big to absorb through the gut wall. They have to be tiny. 
So the food coming from your stomach into your intestine has to be in a liquid state, and that's the purpose of the hydrochloric acid. That's why we have acid in our stomachs. And actually, when you have indigestion, sometimes taking a small capsule of hydrochloric acid helps instead of making it worse. And especially if you don't respond to antacids, um, that would be something to consider. But also the digestive enzymes. You know, the, the digestive enzymes sometimes um, are just insufficient to help us reduce our food into those tiny little particles that can be absorbed through the gut wall. Over time, as we age, we do tend to produce fewer digestive enzymes. And those digestive enzymes are necessary. Sometimes we have to take additional enzymes um, to help us with digestion. And there's nothing wrong with that. Now, there's also the issue that um, when you are under stress, and whether that stress is physical or mental, a stressed gut sometimes becomes damaged and it allows larger particles than what can be utilized to go through the wall and into the bloodstream. In other words, the, the food nutrients have to be broken down in the teeny tiniest little uh, particles that they can be. But if they're absorbed as bigger clumps, the body's response is to see that as an invader, not a benign food substance. And so once again, here we have this inflammatory response that, you know, is treating the food now as an inflammation. And the person feels horrible. That's when that systemic stuff happens. When you ache all over, you feel bad, you don't have the energy you want. And this um, this response then triggers what's known as a food sensitivity. Now, food sensitivities are not food allergies. Food allergies are instant, immediate reactions. It's clearly something that you shouldn't have. Sometimes it can be an anaphylactic reaction, meaning that it's a, a systemic response. The body responds with swelling of the sometimes the mouth, the throat, um, or the person breaks out in hives, or you know, it's something that's instant. That's an allergy. That's not what we're talking about. Food sensitivities and allergies are very different. Food sensitivities mean that the body is now responding to a particular food or a particular category of food as if it were an invader, like a bacteria that doesn't belong there, but it's a food particle. The top five food sensitivities, and there's no particular order here, are wheat, dairy, corn, soy, and the nightshades. And the nightshades are... Um, Tomatoes, eggplants, bell peppers, uh, and potatoes are in that list too. We've added um, now the synthetic kinds of things which also trigger food sensitivities. MSG, it's a preservative, a uh, salt-based preservative. Um, the food colorings and dyes, the flavorings, um, there are sulfites which are preservatives. And fructose, fructose, you know what fructose is. It's the sugar that comes from corn syrup. It's in many, 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 almost all of our um, processed foods contain high fructose, high corn syrup fructose. And so you might not be allergic or, I'm sorry, sensitive to corn, and yet you may be sensitive to the concentrated sugar of corn syrup. 
when we don't have sufficient enzymes to break the food into that smallest particle, then of course our body will respond with um, that immune reaction. When we've been, when we are over sensitized to a particular food, our bodies respond with that inflammatory response. I always tell people that if you if you could um, if you want to figure out like if you have food sensitivities, I ask for a simple question: What is the one food that, if you were given an unlimited supply, you could have as much of it as you want? What is that one food? And it might be anything salty, or it might be oh, it would be cheese. It's definitely cheese. I live on cheese. It might be um, it might be breads or cookies. And based on your response, that's where I would start. Whatever it is that you seem to crave and can't get enough of, that's probably now a food sensitivity for you. It's probably the thing that is causing you the most difficulty and the most inflammation in your body. So you you can determine that yourself. Once you figure out which food it is that you just can't get enough of, that's the food that you eliminate from your diet for a period of 10 to 14 days. It's really, you know, I would say it's very, very simple. It's not simple to eliminate it. I get that. You'll crave it for the first three to five days, and then that craving will be gone. It'll be amazing. You'll be surprised how much you don't have any interest in it. The bad news is that if you re-expose, those cravings come right back. Now, just eliminating the food sensitivity will not solve the problem. You also will have to repair whatever the underlying issue is in the gut. If the gut is stressed and it's allowing particles that are too large to be absorbed, then something has to happen to repair that gut. That really requires the the work of a naturopath or an integrative physician, someone who understands that and can kind of guide you in terms of supplements and other things to do. But in the meantime, there are also things that you can do to support your health. Remember what I said about those, you know, those weight gain uh, patterns, the belly fat or the the pendulous abdomen, those kinds of things. When the liver needs support, there are ways to help with detoxifying the body. Now, detoxification in and of itself is a process that is natural to the body. It's a process that is natural and healthy and a normal part of what we need to do. The liver is primarily responsible. Now, Understand, our detoxifying organs are liver, kidneys, the gut, the skin, and the lungs. That's how we get rid of toxins naturally all the time. But the liver is primarily responsible for all of the environmental toxins, all the poisons, medications, food additives, pesticides, even the, you know, in our water, the the additives, the chlorine and fluorides and all those kinds of things. The liver has to get that out. If you use drugs or drink alcohol, the liver has to use those first. They have to get rid of those toxins. So the liver actually has a way that it prioritizes. And those things take precedence over the foods. Now, how do you support your liver? Well, you know, it's it's important that you recognize that you have a way 
that you can help the body detoxify. The best foods for supporting the liver are the cruciferous vegetables, the ones that produce sulfur as we break them down because sulfur helps the liver stay very, very healthy. And so the cruciferous vegetables, you know, those are things like broccoli and cauliflower, um, Brussels sprouts, kale, cabbage, collard greens, kohlrabi, mustard greens, rutabaga, turnips, um, radishes, uh, the cabbages, all of the Chinese cabbage and bok choy and um, watercress, those those wonderful kind of uh, sharp flavored greens. Other things that really are helpful and, you know, there, Andrew Weil has this recipe for a spring tonic soup and it's made primarily with garlic and onions and those are wonderful um, detoxifying agents that just support the liver so much. Green tea and, in, interestingly, fresh ground coffee um, will also support the liver. Those are the things that you can do to help the liver. Now, the liver has a process of two passes, okay? So it gets most of it out on the first one, and the second pass requires vitamin D and antioxidants. So you want to be thinking in terms of foods that will cleanse and support your liver. You also want to think in terms of healthy fats because the third level of detox is from the cells of your body and they have to be, have to have flexible cell walls. And the only way they can get flexible cell walls is with the omega-3s. We get plenty of omega-6s in our diet. We usually don't have to supplement with that, but you want to balance that with the healthier oils and fats, avocado, um, olive oil, those are good sources of those healthy fats. Flax seed, the um, evening primrose oil, um, all of those are good sources of omega-3s. So we've talked today a little bit about the inflammation in the body and the processes that create inflammation. And what I hope this does for you is to stimulate you to explore further your specific body type and the kinds of things that you specifically can do to support your natural health. Your body doesn't have to be inflamed. When you recognize how to support your body in its healthiest way, that inflammation will be eliminated, will be cleared from your body. And interestingly enough, that in and of itself causes weight loss because you're not holding all this extra fluid of of inflammation in your body. There are mechanical means of detoxing. We're not going to go into those today. But what I want you to think about is how do you support your health? When you make your decision today, for your lunch or your dinner, what foods are you putting in that are consistent with your healthy body? All right. Thank you for listening this morning. This is your call to action. Take this information, do something with it, apply it into your life today, and go out there and make it a great day. You truly deserve it. Thanks again for joining us for What Matters. Be sure to tune in again next Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll help you continue to make a difference next week.
Are you ready to make a change in your life? Would you like to discover the hidden obstacles to your success? Mary Beth Lodge is a certified life coach with a proven track record of guiding others to success. Drawing on mind-body techniques and concepts of neuroscience, Mary Beth will design a program specific to your goals, lifestyle, and personality. You'll develop a specific action plan to follow. You'll learn practical and easy strategies to move through your obstacles and reach your goals. You decide the area to focus on. Is it your weight, your health, or your professional goals? Mary Beth Lodge is a life coach, hypnotist, and health consultant. She specializes in working with people who are confused, frustrated, or discouraged by the direction of their life. She works with people who really want to make a difference in this world and are willing to take the actions to achieve their goals. She'll help you get clear on where you want to be and to follow through on the actions that lead to a healthier and more successful life. Visit LastingLifestyleChange.com to request more information or a free consultation.